Hi friends, I'm Jennifer Thomas. And I'm Andrea Bear. We're so glad you're back with us for season two on the Morning Glory podcast as we dive deeper into the concepts of not only grief and loss, but also how our Catholic faith brings us closer to God. We hope you will join us on this journey to morning glory. Happy 2024, and welcome back as we return for season two. Now, last week, Jennifer and I did an episode to start off the new year with our patron saint, Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton. And as we started to go through this episode, and we started to look into this new year, we started to consider and reflect on all of our guests from season one and the many experiences that they've shared. If you're new to the podcast, you may want to go back and listen to some of our earlier episodes. We've had some amazing guests, and they've shared so much about their stories, and we've also learned a lot from them. We've also learned a lot about podcasting. Our sound and gizmos have increased and improved in the quality as we continue to strive to improve. But you may know that our episodes are pre-recorded, and this has really been a treat so much that even after we've gone back to listen to the recordings, there are things that we didn't even realize that were said and really gave us a good perspective and a, a different sense as we were learning about the stories that our guests have shared and the, even the things that we shared. So it made us think about coming into this new season and the opportunity to give some reflection whenever we can, uh, keeping within the time constraints, of course. You know, as as you know, that we are also full-time educators and moms. But this journey really has been quite special. And the more we do this, the more stories we hear reminds us that we are all connected in some way. The guests that we've interviewed have shared gems of wisdom. And so we hope going into this new season, we'll try to give some of that reflection and either put it in some recordings attached to the episodes or maybe in a blog or a website. So we hope you'll stay tuned for that. But today is our first guest for season two. And Donna McLeod, it was such a treat to interview. Jennifer and I had an opportunity to sit down with her. And she, like us, has used her own grief and her experience to provide opportunities to help others. While you'll get to hear more about Donna in the episode, what's so fantastic is the resources that she's going to provide and the outlet for which she provides this for people to process grief, that there's more than one way to do it. And as we've said over and over again, there's no one way to grief. But there also shouldn't be only grief in one way. Maybe you're private about your experience, or maybe you're the kind of person who needs a group to share and discuss what you've learned. This episode with Donna was really special to record because she touches on both. And I think you're going to find what she has to say provides an opportunity for new tools for you to help going into the new year. The new year can be very hard for people, especially as they start to close the chapter from the year before and they move into a year without 
the person that they loved coming with them. So Donna talks about these experiences and she also brings up some of the resources that you can start locally if you have a grief support group. And so um, I'm excited because she's going to mention some of those available. Now, she does mention some dates in the episode that may come after the airing of this recording, but all of her resources are available on Ave Maria Press website, so you can access those afterwards. And with that, I'm going to stop talking, or at least for this recording, and we're going to go right into her episode. I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's go ahead and take a listen. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of the Morning Glory podcast, where Jennifer Thomas and I share our journeys of loss, faith, and hope. Today, we're going to talk about grief support groups and how they can be incredibly effective, as well as guides to use that you can help you in the right season of grief. How are you today, Jennifer? I'm doing great, Andrea. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm I'm actually really excited about this episode. Um, This kind of brings me back to that first year after I lost my mom, and I had joined a grief support group that was a local one in my area. And I remember when I had gone, how very helpful it was. I think looking at all of the tools that a grief support group can offer was really profound. Um, I had gone to two, actually. I had gone to like a general one, and then I had gone to like a one-day Mother's Day support group. And um, the interesting part, though, I uh, this little confession, I didn't go to one that was local. I wanted to go to one that was outside of my town because I didn't want to run into anybody that I knew. So there was a little bit of a private moment, but, um, but I think this is a great topic that, um, a lot of our listeners may benefit from. Yeah. I'm excited about it too, because I know after losing my parents, I wish I had had something like this or knew that there was even something like this that existed. And I definitely understand the you know, the desire to have that anonymity, so to speak, of not wanting to run into people who you know, because where my parents lived and where I grew up was a very, well, it still is a fairly small city um, in middle Georgia and people know people and everybody knows everybody else. So I don't know that if this um, were something that had been available to me that I would have gone there just because, you know, everybody does know everybody else. Yeah. So I love the idea that we're now going to have a resource that we can share with listeners that, you know, can, can help them go at their own pace. And this resource can be, you know, a vessel to help meet people where they are in their journey. You're right. I think you hit that right on the head about where people are, because everybody is going to approach this at different seasons in their life. So, and speaking of seasons, let's go ahead and introduce our guest. Jennifer, you want to do the honors? Sure. Today, friends at the Morning Glory podcast, we are honored to have with us Donna McLeod. She is a nurse, bereft mom, 
Catholic lay leader, bereavement ministry specialist, and author known for her unique Christ-centered program for those who mourn. Her best-selling Seasons of Hope ministry books now are having an updated leader's guide, Bringing Comfort Through Catholic Grief Support, as well as four companion journals, Finding Comfort in Your Grief, available through Ave Maria Press. Her writings on grief, loss, and faith also appear in Care Notes, Prayer Notes, and Caring Companions from Abbey Press and other publications. She also holds bachelor's and master's degrees in nursing and has also served as an oncology clinical specialist, nurse educator, administrator, and hospice professional. She was on the board of trustees of the former National Catholic Ministry to the Bereaved and is a member of the Catholic Family Life Association. So welcome to the Morning Glory podcast, I'm Donna. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Jennifer and Andrea, too. Um, it's, it's wonderful to be here and um, to meet all these folks that are out there to podcast listening in. I think what's so great is that you have such wealth and experience and you're being able to share it now with with more people. And so can you tell us a little bit about you? This is a new edition. So you've had this edition out for quite some time. How many years has it been since this update? Um, maybe you want to share with us. The the program, Seasons of Hope, went into print back in 2007, um, but actually the program began in 1990 um, at the, after the death of my daughter, and there's a whole story that goes with that. But the new edition um, came about really because the program is um, very, very popular. It's all over the United States. It's up in Canada. Uh, and it was time, 16 years for a book to be in print. Our resources and our websites were, were totally in need of um, redoing. The program itself had expanded beyond group um, to individuals using the program in ministry to the homebound. So uh, Ave Maria Press didn't want to close the doors because it was time to decide, shall they bring in a ton of new books or not? And um, they came to me and asked me to uh, see if we could, um, you know, update it. And the program itself is the same. You know, I wish, um, confession time, I wish I had had the knowledge of that this was out there at the time that I had lost my mom. And so um, this April, it will be coming almost six years since I lost my mom. And at the time, I just looked at local resources. And as much as they were helpful, and they certainly were, the part that was missing was the faith component. And, and I remember going to this one, and I won't say the name of the group, but uh, they kind of skimmed over the the faith part. And I thought that was really interesting. They didn't deny that there should be a part of that included, but it's almost because they had to keep it so general and so generic, it kind of limited the opportunity for us to really delve into that. And I think that would have been such a powerful part of healing for a lot of people that were in the group. And so I'm so excited as I've, you know, I've been able to look at your journals and see how you really try to kind of incorporate a lot of that faith component. Um, before we kind of dive into that, though, do you maybe want to tell us a little bit about how these journals came to be and um, maybe a little bit of story of of your own experience in loss? 
Oh, sure. Um, actually, I wouldn't be here today. Our uh, Seasons of Hope wouldn't exist as a ministry uh, today if it wasn't for my youngest daughter, Erin. Um, if she had survived cancer back in 1988, I'd be doing something totally different with my life and, and with this Sunday, uh, this day that we're doing this. Um, her, her battle with leukemia um, exposed her to six long years of constant chemotherapy, um, painful procedures, um, many relapses, and a close brush um, with death over chickenpox virus. Um, she was only nine when she died. Um, that was a, a devastating experience, but it, in the midst of it, we had just um, months before moved from Florida to New England and had gone um, into a, a small parish uh, who opened their arms to us. Um, they were Sacred Heart Parish, and it was just as though we met our Lord himself embracing us, and they stayed with us through those many months um, till Aaron died and through the wake and funeral period and afterward as well, um, the priests and the parishioners um, really turned out and, and helped us so much. And I, after a while, when I got myself back on my seat and I, um, one day I was praying the rosary, I just, um, it came to me. I wanted to say something, thank you, in a very special way to that parish because we were strangers and they, they welcomed us in our real time of need. They became our family. And it came to me that um, since I was such a great organizer, why didn't I organize all those great people that helped us? And I went to the pastor and asked him if I could start a ministry, um, funeral ministry. And you have to realize back in 1988, they didn't have lay Catholic people doing much of anything, uh, especially funeral ministry where the priests were doing all the stuff. It took a while. The pastor was kind of resistant, but then he said, okay. And out of that um, original program that we did for funeral ministry, um, the people of the parish asked for a support group. And it was part of my plan, but I didn't think they'd want it. Um, but they asked for it. And the young priest that was working with me in the committee kind of turned to me when he looked at the surveys, and we all did. And the people were saying, give us a support group. Um, he just said, hey, Donna. You know how to run groups. Put something together. So I said, okay, Father, I'll do that. And that's how it started. That was the first beginning of Seasons of Hope groups, and that was 1989. Um, and what I did with that was I, I used my own grief experience. Um, I was absolutely devastated with Aaron's loss, and I turned to the Lord, and I just sat down and experienced my grief. For the first time in my life, I before that, I would always, anything really bad that happened, I would just pick myself up and keep going and say, okay, I'll deal with that later. But with Emmons' loss, I, I really thought I have to, I have to deal with this. You know, I love um, that you're sharing this because I think that is very much a need in so many parishes. I, I have looked at my own areas and um, having a, a grief ministry is something that we don't realize is really crucial and important. So this is, I think, one of those moments where where God is realizing that you had all the gifts and all the tools. And as, as hard as it was, because you had gone through some of these experiences, you were well equipped for it. And I think that's why we're all here today. Yeah. And that's really the story right there. Um, you know, and it took 
it took off from there. Um, we moved around the country. Um, I used it in different parishes. Um, and it, it ended up in uh, Oregon um, that the people in the group decided um, I had just become a published writer locally. I was writing for a woman's magazine. And one of the ladies in the group um, said to me and with the others, why don't you get this program published? It's great. We're sending it to all our friends and families around the country. Don't you know that? They need it. And um, then I went on a personal quest um, to figure out whether the Lord really wanted me to do that or not. I really wasn't willing to <laughs> to do it. <laughs> I thought maybe, you know, maybe I shouldn't, you know, um, but it was up to the Lord. It, it sounds like his will did prevail <laughs> in, in this endeavor to have this book and this entire program put out there. And I, you know, it's funny because I, the idea that this has been around for so long, and yet this is the first, I know that I've heard of it. And I imagine this might be the first that our listeners hear of it. And, you know, we have listeners, um, we're, we're very blessed to have listeners, not just here in the United States. And so hopefully there are others who are going to hear about this and have something, be able to find a program that will help them. Um, I'm curious how you came up with the name for the book, Seasons of Hope. Well, the original funeral ministry, is, um, I named it Ministry of Hope. So the groups flowed from that. And um, when we got to the point in Oregon, when the people were asking for it, and I, I did make the decision to, to have it published, um, I was calling it Season of Hope. And my pastor, who was working on the program with me, um, said to me, well, you know, you're, you're offering, you have so many offerings. You have four, four different offerings, you know, six in each one. Um, call it Seasons with an S of hope. So that's how the name, so it was my pastor that kind of ended up naming it. Um, because it seemed to me that grief is if we don't turn to the Lord, then it's really hard to find hope. And Seasons of Hope is about the spiritual side of grieving. So Seasons of Hope just made sense. That's really beautiful. And, you know, when I think of the word hope, for a long time, I struggled with the word hope because I didn't really know. That seems probably so obvious, but I really didn't know. And I, for me to understand that, I had to look at its opposite. And the opposite of hope is despair. And so when you don't have something to look forward to, then you have despair. You have that experience of just sorrow. So I think that's such a beautiful and very appropriate name for this uh, journal. And speaking of, so you have four journals. How do you use these? Are there specific, as we, as you so-call seasons that you use like a certain one, or do they go um, in a particular order? Maybe you can share a little bit about that. Yes. Um, the, the 24 offerings, um, happened out of me going, moving around the country and doing the program and just making, writing things for each group that I was doing. And I ended up with 24 of them. Um, and then it made sense to divide them. Um, but what I had learned over those many years of doing that was that people would come together for, for a certain amount of time. And I, we tried all different 
timeframes every week, once a month, you know, all that. Um, and I discovered that six weeks right in a row, people were willing to come and, and to gather for that amount of time. And that made sense to me to just make the seasons that length um, with breaks between them. The journals themselves are numbered um, one, two, three, four, but that's only for really for purchasing reasons. Each season is stands alone. Um, and it uses each season has a diff, um, six different scripture stories. So there are 24 different scripture stories that we use. Uh, each session is surra um, surrounds that scripture story with um, um, private activity, group activity, um, it, face sharing, and fellowship. And um, the the program itself. You can pick it up any place. So if somebody comes in in January and they do the, the January session through February, we take a break, then there's another session. They may decide, well, I don't need it right now. I'll come back or I, <clears throat> I won't. I'm all set. Um, they can come in at any point. So it's not sequential, um, and what, which is one of the, the selling points of the program. Um, people can enter at any point and we enter, we have ongoing people and we have new people coming in. And that makes for very dynamic groups because it's all about peer ministry. Um, the those of us that are facilitators um, depend on the people in the group. So it's a peer ministry. So I'm wondering, you know, whenever COVID hit, did you all end up doing online programs for people out there? And I'm wondering if so, if that's something that, um, that is offered or that you've thought about offering for parishes? Because, you know, I, I know that, for example, my husband travels. And so I use that as an example of, okay, I know that my husband is not the only person who travels for his job. There might be others who travel for, for their jobs who still would benefit tremendously from this program. So are there online offerings of it? And if not, have you know, is it something that you would consider? Um, well, there there are because of COVID. Um, actually, when COVID hit, um, one week I, I got um, emails from three different regions in the country of facilitators that were doing Season of Hope, and they they contacted me to find out can we do it online. And I said I don't know. I've never done anything online. Um, and I had a conference with them, and there was one gentleman that what had been doing the program, and he talked about it on online. He said, hey, you can do it. It's not that hard. Um, so anyway, what ended up happening is we, because of COVID, started doing it online, trying it, and it really does work. And that was one of the other reasons with the update of new version that's coming out, there's a chapter on how to do it online. And one of the benefits, as you mentioned, of your husband traveling, during our program, we've done it several times online, and we've had participants go to Aruba, go up in Maine, facilitators even other parts of the country, and they're still able to be part of the program. Um, and so anyway, and the other part of it is you have to kind of help some folks um, learn how to get online, but it's not that hard. So, yes, it is part of the program, and that's um, Season of Hope has been evolving for 30 years, <laughs> and, it, you know, all these things have added. But, yeah, it's, it works great, and the only thing we do differently is we don't have a fellowship break because it's really hard to do that online. 
did you ever imagine whenever this whole concept, you know, started coming to fruition that it would end up what it is today? Absolutely not. Um, I had, um, for one thing, I was on the cutting edge of cancer research. I was never going to leave that. I ended up directing, uh, starting a hospice program. Um, my life changed that way. But this this program always, to me, was a personal activity until those people in Oregon said, get off your butt and do something with it. Everybody needs this. And re- you have to remember, in the 80s, there really was no spiritual grief programs out there. Today, there are several out there in all kinds of different modes. Um, but this is a purely Catholic program, which makes it extremely unique. Um, and it, it really is to build community. So, so some of the people that don't want to go to groups, they might want to come in and they might learn more about their parish because there's a lot of terrific people. That's what I love about your journal is that for someone who maybe isn't in necessarily wants to come into a group setting, they're not comfortable with sharing openly, they can do this on their own. Or like Jennifer suggested, and and you pointed out that you have online groups, as simple as keeping your screen, you know, covered, you don't, no one has to see your face, but you could still participate and almost makes, you know, us want to maybe lead a group for, for these journals because they are so, um, so effective and kind of getting into some of the well, nuts and bolts of it, you mentioned that you have scripture geared for all 24 pieces. I loved, and I didn't even think about this, you know, it's so obvious, but I didn't even think about how the apostles were so distressed after, after Jesus died. And, and that really is just because they don't say the word grief in the Bible, doesn't mean that they're not going through those same emotions that we all go through. So I just love, I love that your journal is so multifaceted. And it really is, um, the apostles would love it because we start off season one, session one, Mary Magdalene sitting outside the tomb um, looking for Jesus. And don't we go to the the grave and look for our our loved ones? And, you know, we we use it and it really is an Ignatian approach in a sense where we're asking people to come in and put themselves into scripture. And one of the things that I've heard from so many facilitators across the country is People are starting to really get scripture is important today as it was then. And they're getting finding their people are starting to read the Bible because they're coming to group and stuff. Or you don't have to come to group. You can use the, um, the program on its own. But it is different. The individual journal doesn't have a face sharing segment because you don't have a group of people you're with. Um, and the, the home, the program as a group has an extra piece that comes out of the, the leader's guide and the, the facilitators have questions that they used in face sharing. That's the difference. But this, the whole thing about finding Christ, that's what it's all about in their grief. And that's why they're healing and they're getting better. He's there with us um, helping them. There's one section of the journal that um, I really liked. And um, as I was going through it, is that you have in the back what's called a network directory. And um, I would imagine this is for people who have attended the group that they can connect with each other. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. Um, that's a that's one of the parts of the program where we're looking at hospitality. Um, fellowship is a big deal. And the, the network directory 
we talk about it and say to people, usually in the second week, um, this is, how about calling each other during the week while you're, while you're um, having issues? Or if you think of somebody, just call them because you have the number from the directory. We encourage the people that are in the group to do that. But even online, um, of course, everybody couldn't, carry the booklets around to each other. So what we end up doing is they'll say, okay, Donna, um, I want to be on the list. And so they'll send me an email, say, put me on the list. And then I broadcast the list out to everybody. And that, that's how they get to, to talk to each other. So um, we, we encourage it. That's really what the program's about is connecting people because everybody's so lonely. I mean, whether they've lost a spouse or a parent or a child, we're all lonely. And it's different when you're connecting with someone who has experienced loss compared to someone who hasn't experienced that or not in the same way. I know when I did those grief support groups way back, I connected with some of the people in my group and we still today still keep in touch. And it's just that little special bond that you have kind of like, okay, I get it. Even though we're in a club, we didn't choose to be in. We, you know, we have that person to lean on. So I, I really think that's beautiful. And then you also have um, the list of resources. I think that is like, what a what an amazing list of place, things that you can use to reach out. So it's not just the end after you're done with those six weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, we're hoping that people come back for the whole 24 <laughs> if they want to, if they need it. Um, so that, and people even can come back if they have a second loss down the road. And the other part of it is people are using the booklets independently. And that's the reason they're doing that. Now we're offering it that way is because I learned about people emailing me and say, I found your booklet. I don't have a group, but I'm, the, the booklet's helping me. And that's the reason we figured out that, oh, maybe these should be for individuals too. Um, so it, it really does work. Yeah. And I know even for me, um, Donna, I, I have a background in psychology, and so as I'm looking at this list of resources, and of course I see some very familiar titles, um, especially, you know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. We've talked about, you know, the stages of grief, and um, I appreciate the amount of research that went into putting this list together because all of these these books that you have listed as resources, you know, these are some some great ones. And some people might find benefit in just through these resources that you have, like they might finish one of the journals and then find a book that inspires them to, to continue on their journey of healing. And so I just applaud you for putting this entire program together because it's something that I can see it. I mean, I know it's already helped so many people and I just, I really feel like it's going to help so many more and hopefully they're going to, um, you know, just get, get some healing and comfort through, through what God has inspired you to do. I am curious if, if you yourself have gone through the journals and actually use them for yourself. Um, I, I, this is going to really sound silly, um, but I do it with every group. Um, you know, I, I wrote the, the journals out of a lot of the, the titles and things came from experiences I was having during my own grief. Um, but I walk with the people coming through the program and um, I always, every week I sit down and, and look at um, and read 
And sometimes I think, wow, I wrote that. But anyway, um, you know, as writers, you know what it's like. Um, but anyway, um, yes, I, I do use them. Uh, and, and I've sent them to my friends that are, are have recent losses. And, and they send me things back showing me what they're doing with them. And it's helping them. You know, and they're joining things together um, because of it. So, yeah, I I do use it, and it the scripture always looks different, doesn't it? No matter when we look at it. So, yeah, it changes. It never, even when you go back and visit it, it has a right. different meaning. Yeah. Yep. I noticed also in the journal, um, and I really like that you you phrase this moving forward, and you also have the section on. Um, like soul work and marking the route, because I think it is really important for people to understand that grief is a process and it's a journey and it doesn't look the same at different seasons of your grief. And, um, can you maybe share a little bit about why you think it's important to move forward in grief? Cause I, I think that there are times where we do get stuck and, and there is a time where we do have to sit in our emotions and our feelings. Um, but I'll just share a little bit of my experience. My family was like, okay, we're done with your grief. Like you need to move forward. And I, I didn't, I acknowledge that I, but I didn't want to just not move forward either. Like I, how do I say this? You shouldn't rush somebody through your grief, but at the same time, you don't want to stay there forever, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So maybe you could share with us a little bit about why you incorporated those things in your journal. Well, my idea for the journal um, was it was going to be called um, something like uh, on, on our grief journey or something. And they uh, they took the title away, said, no, you can't use that. <laughs> so, but, but some of the, those other titles in the book are, are journeys. And so I'm really curious that you, you picked up on that. Um, moving forward is a tough thing for a lot of people. Um, I had a facilitator in Florida that really rejected that idea because she wanted to stay exactly where she was forever because she felt that if she didn't, her husband's loss would not be honored, um, which I can understand that. Um, but I think we move forward and sometimes we move backward and, and we move up and down. Um, mm -hmm. But it was a it was an opportunity to um, help people look in a direction because our the program is very positive. Um, that's one of the things about it. Um, people think of grief programs as being sad and, and downcast. And with God, it, things can be very joyful or at least um, doable. <laughs> and in that point, uh, I think you were making too, um, that, you know, you do need to look forward. Um, and if we don't, then we get unhealthy. You know, yeah. so there comes a point in time where you have to kind of um, do that. So um, the little activities that we do in the journal um, to have, you know, to honor our loved ones or to uh, little acts of charity, that's kind of a sign of healing. You know, that's the idea for those um, kind of acts for people to do. Once they're able to reach out to somebody else, you know, they're on the path to healing. And that's what we say to them. So that's an encouraging thing. So even um, lighting a candle um, at, beside the picture of your loved one um, can be very um, healing for some people. So we try to 
um, incorporate some of those things in there too. Um, because you can do things that you don't think you can do when you're grieving. When you're grieving, you think you can't do anything. <laughs> anything. And when you're actively grieving, you're really hurting. Um, but they get there. I like that. I really like that. You, you know, just looking in the right direction, whether you're moving or not is yeah. irrelevant, but you're just looking in that direction. So yeah. I think that's really beautiful. Now, I'm just curious, um, do you have any recommendations of when a person should start a grief support group? Um, do you feel like there is a specific time frame or what have you, what in your experience have most of the groups that you've led are the the time frame that people typically jump in onto a group support? Um, I, I know myself um, starting the program very early um, because my daughter had only been gone six months when the idea came to start the the funeral ministry. And then it was only a, um, a couple of months after that. So it was within the first year that I started. To, but I had a background in running groups. I had a nursing, you know, nurses are stand up straight and do it um, type <laughs> of people. Um, and I, I think it really depends on what where the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. Um, to start a group, it really... What we say with Seasons of Hope, if you get the leader's guide and the journals, the leader's guide um, actually is scripted. When you when you do the, the program, you have a script in front of you telling you exactly what you need to do that minute. And you've got all kinds of tools that help you do that. Um, and when I invite people onto the team, um, which I do constantly. Um, I, I look for people that are in the group that um, are showing um, ability to support other people that show up on time and all that kind of stuff. Um, when they're able to reach out to others, I throw it out to them. Would you like to be part of our team? And they don't have to facilitate. They can just be helpers and stuff. Um, but I, I think if somebody feels the call, they'll know it. Um, they want to do something to help others. And, um, then they take the, the program to the pastor, and if he's, he knows his people, you know, he can say, yeah, I think you're ready, Sally Sue or Joe. Uh, or he might say, I don't know if you're, you're ready yet to do something like this. But it, I, I think with God's help, we can do anything. Um, you know, if, our, if we've got our head in the right place that we want to just do the best we can and leave it up to him. Have you ever had people who have signed up, you know, to be a leader who have started leading a group and then realized maybe, you know, halfway through it or at some point that it was just too difficult for them to continue on? The only, um, I had a, a gal who was wonderful as a facilitator, um, but she was got into, she was having a hard period of time at work and um, she was watching my co-partner and myself, and she one day decided that she wasn't as compassionate as we were. And she decided, I can't do this because I'm not as compassionate as you are. And and I we tried to explain to her, well, maybe God put you with the, the two of us to help you get where he wants you to be. Um, but she still needed to leave. And, and you know, I can't hold him. Um, she did come back eventually when she got over her bad life stuff that was out there. She wanted to come back to the program. But for the most part, um, I'm trying to counteract that with our webinar series that we're doing, which is ongoing support for facilitators. And it's based, it's not 
the book. You don't get the book. If you're a facilitator in Seasons of Hope, you come to the webinars, and it's it's the spiritual side of leading. So what I'm trying to do with my expertise is help people um, facilitate to their to their highest level that they can through using their faith. So it's a whole it's a very um, revolutionary way of doing things, and, and I'm out there doing it. So anyway, um, but that's another piece of Seasons of Hope um, offers our, our people that are doing it. You're ministering to those who are ministering ministering to others. I right. love that. I think that's. I think that's beautiful because, you know, it, it's one of those things where um, you hear on airplanes, you have to put the face mask on yourself. You have to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you can help others. And it sounds like you are making sure that those oxygen masks are ready for them so they can put them on. And you're also taking care of your facilitators because it can be really um you can really easily get sucked in sometimes and not realize, oh my gosh, I need to take care of myself too, because you can get so, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? You can get just so involved with trying to help others. And then you realize, wait a second, I'm struggling right now. So I love the fact that not only with this program, you're helping other people, but you're also helping those who are helping others. I just, I really love that. Well, you ought to come in January. We're doing a webinar in Jan- January is um, spiritual self-care to serve well. And it's all about taking care of yourself so you can face um, working in grief ministry. You guys are working in grief ministry too. So, you know, um, come on in. Um, Sign us up. January 9th. <laughs> but Adding anyway. it to our calendar. Yeah. No, it, it's um, it's really necessary, and I think our I have to say this: our church um, falters in that area for lay ministers. We we really need our our to support each other and to help each other out. So, do what we can. That's right, and we and you know that's we always kind of come back to this theme that you're not alone. That's our kind of our motto in this uh, podcast. So you know we need to have those people to help help us out and on this journey and and God puts the right people in our path to help us keep going. You know, Donna, as I was listening to you and I'm hearing about this beautiful, you know, these tools that you have put together and I would imagine, you know, the amount of people that you have helped. When you look back to your daughter, Erin, what do you think she would think about all of this, how her mom is helping all these wonderful people? Oh, she was very joyful and full of love of Jesus. And she would run around hugging everybody. And I think she would look at it as mom's taking those hugs out to everybody else. And I'm doing it in honor of her and of our Lord. But um, I know she'd be really happy. (laughs) I know she would. I think that she's going, she's probably staring up at heaven just so proud of you for all the things that, that you're doing, all of our King's work, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I'm blessed. You are indeed. Well, I think we're at the point of our, our episode where we start to offer up prayers for our loved ones. And so, um, is there anyone, and, and I'm, we're going to include Aaron today, is there anyone that you would like us to mention in our prayers that we, we have for this end of our episode? Besides her grandparents or, or 
yeah, her grandparents would like me. Sure, that'd be great. Okay. Um, her her grandma, her nana, uh, Jacqueline McLeod, her papa, Angus McLeod, um, her grandma, Isabel Mann, and her grandpa, Sunday Mann. So we're going to go ahead and begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we come here together today and we want to offer up the prayers and the intentions of um, Aaron McLeod, Jacqueline and Angus, Angus McLeod, and Sunday and Isabel Mann. We thank you for the blessings of Donna's work and ministry that you have set before her here on this earth as we will one day join you in heaven. And we just want to offer up these intentions for her loved ones. Eternal rest, grant unto them, O Lord, and let the perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. Amen. And we ask for the intercession of our Blessed Mother and the patron saint, Elizabeth Ann Seton, who is the patron saint of grievers, that they watch and guide all of those who come into the work that Donna has done to help them heal on their journey and help to give them a sense of hope and that this is not the end, but there is eternity with you in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Donna, thank you so much for sharing all of these um, these beautiful gems that I think are going to be so helpful. And I can't wait to see the, the new edition that comes out for people in January. And especially your webinar, I think Jennifer and I will definitely be um, attending. <laughs> so Jennifer, do you want to introduce uh, Donna to our morning glory? Yeah. So Donna, um, one of the other things that we like to do as we close out each episode is we like to ask our guest if you have a morning glory. So that would be something where um, maybe you've had a trial that you've overcome or just something that has brought you joy in life recently? Well, I've been thinking about that. And um, when I think about mourning, um, I, I have to admit, it, it's been many, many years, but I still haven't forgotten the pain of Aaron's suffering. Um, and my heart still aches over that um, episodically. <laughs> through the year. Um, but one of the better part of that was she, she never complained about what cancer had done to her um, or taken from her. And in the glory end of that same line of thought, um, what really holds my heart together uh, is knowing that Aaron is with the Lord. There's no question in my mind. I know it uh, where she is. And Realizing that God has taken the suffering of this precious child um, and has made it a catalyst to ease the suffering of so many grieving hearts. And only God could do that. Um, and to me, that's bringing, he's bring glory's bringing to him um, and he's helping all of us. So that makes me so, feel so good. Amen to that. That actually makes me like, I don't know. I, I just I have this overwhelming sense of warmth and 
joy that comes over me because it is a way that all of our suffering, that Jesus is suffering, we are glorifying that by honoring these loved ones. So um, Donna, where can our listeners find you if they want to learn more about you or if they want to get in touch with you? Um, folks usually go to Ave Maria Press. They just click on the seasons, any of the Seasons of Hope books. They can come up with my name. There's my author page. Um, and I can be reached by email. And it's just seasonsofhope35 at gmail.com. Um, it's real simple. And you can reach me through the Ave site or just using that email. Wonderful. And I think you're going to have a lot of people reach out to you because this is such a beautiful ministry that's going to help so many people, whether you're in a group or whether you want to just go through this on your own. So thank you for taking the time with us today, Donna. And um, we hope to have you back on again in the near future to see how everything works out. Yeah. Oh, thanks so much for having me, ladies. And it's been a delight meeting you. You're both special. Thank you. Well, we're excited. And we're um, happy to bring this to so many people. So this is, we're all part of this journey together. So, well, thank you everyone for joining us today. And we hope you'll find comfort and support in the shows that we bring you here on the Morning Glory podcast as we continue on our journey to one day be reunited with God. I'm Andrea Bear, And I'm Jennifer Thomas. Until we meet again, God bless. Thank you for listening to the Morning Glory podcast. If you'd like to hear more episodes, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other podcast platforms. You can also check out our Facebook and Instagram pages at Morning Glory Podcast or send us an email at morningglorypodcast at gmail.com. That's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-G-L-O-R-Y podcast at gmail.com. Until we meet again, God bless. This is-